Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining our newest concept, the new podcaster spotlight. Here at the Gooners Pod, we bring you stuff you cannot find anywhere else. Today, we bring you one of the brightest up-and-coming podcasters in the Arsenal Podiverse. His name is Andrew. He loves Hamon Ruffles. He has a golden hand. And most importantly, he's the man with the impeccable voiceover work on the intro video that you see before every episode of the Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Totten and Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season seven 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 welcome to the gooners pod hello and welcome to tgp season seven episode 74 andrew good to see you again it's uh it's our pleasure as always Thank you very much indeed. First, though, I would just like to disassociate myself from that voiceover. The quality of the microphone was appalling. The the delivery needs some work. It's all a bit muffled, and I don't know about that accent. Whoever that was trying to do an American accent, they need they need some training. It, it, it's it's horrendous. Uh, I I do know that the person I purchased that from uh, uses a rock band microphone generally for their voiceover work, and. Um, Mm. And and so I mean, if it's good enough for professional musicians, I figure you know it's good enough. But I, but uh, you know you know a little bit about what you're talking about when it comes to to voiceover. So I'll I'll I'll, uh, sure. I'll take the word for it. Um, you know this is our 404th episode. We completely forgot to commemorate number 400. It was the Charles Watts episode last week. But we've said every 404 episodes we want to have uh, a special young podcaster on, and, uh, and so here we are. Well, you know what you should do is when this episode is finished, just delete it. So then it'll be 404 not found when everyone goes. Ah, ooh, genius. So I'm not the only nerd who uh, who hadn't discovered food yet. You're you got a little bit of uh, IT technical wizardry in you as well. I have this little small website I've been doing for a while. I'll tell yeah. you about it. Yeah, I, I I think I saw that on Gopher or uh, or on a bulletin board on a BBS once. Um, That's it. It's uh, GeoCities something. I don't know what it is. You know. Real nice. Fun. Well, Mikey. Good to see you again. Taking a break from uh, from your duties, hosting not another Arsenal podcast, which I, I think that's bullshit because I watched it once and it <laughs> is another Arsenal podcast. So why are you lying to people? 
that's the secret sauce right there. What it is is there's so many Arsenal podcasts. You know, I didn't want to get bored, so like I threw a loop just to make them think it's something entertaining. And surprise, surprise, it's another Arsenal podcast. Well, you know, I love, I do love the podcast. It, the chemistry is amazing. It only took you a couple hundred episodes to get there, but it's great. And and the nickname for the pod, which is Nap, describes what you want to do when you're listening to it. And and it's the only reason that we've 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 nicknamed this podcast uh, "Touch Yourself." So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when we air at three, four o'clock in the morning in UK, I really don't blame anybody for sleeping. To be fair. Andrew, have you caught their podcast? Did you have you stayed up for uh, for the three AM debut of of the, the kickoff? Funnily enough, no. You know, once it goes beyond sort of ten PM here, I'm just sort of you know, I'm old now, Mike. So you know, I gotta I gotta get my sleep and and everything else. So no, I, I haven't stayed up. If you tell me it's worth it, though, I might. It, Sometimes I get bouts of insomnia, so if I'm awake one night, I might give it a bash. It it it's it's worth it, especially when he has you know when he has other guests on like myself. But uh, no, it's it's actually quite good. Uh, I'm not going to continue to 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 plug it here though because I haven't been paid nearly enough. Um, but uh, at all, you know, uh, six years ago, Andrew, you joined us on our very first season when we had the basic common sense to do just an audio only podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave us an air of legitimacy, so here we are in 2023. We've ex- we've we've exponentially grown our user base, you know, our listeners from two to like well over 16. So it's amazing it, growth. I'm very proud of you guys. Um, I never thought it could reach such heights when we first met. You know, the dozen the dozen mark seemed a little ambitious, but you know, we don't settle for mediocrity. We uh, we 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 show a lot of ambition. I've poured a tremendous amount of of uh of loaned money into this podcast and uh, and here we are so uh and lastly before we get into arsenal you, you've joined a very special club when it comes to the gunners pod um and it's okay. not the club of people who every time they come on they regret it uh although you are in that club any idea what the what the uh what the club that you've officially joined with this appearance is um is it i don't know how many times i've been on so is it like more than five appearances? Something it's a, like it's that. Seven-time club. Uh, right. So, so you've been uh, you've been a guest on on one point seven three percent of the podcast we've done. I've three more episodes. Times. Yeah, we we three more, and we could we could knock those out in the next couple of days. And you enter the vaunted uh, the ten episode club where with, with such prestigious members as uh, I think that's James next to you, and uh, and Tom Canton. So uh, oh, that's James from one of his horrible histories things. Yes, yeah. yes. The, so um, so yeah, you, you'd be in the ten time club. Of course, this beautiful picture comes to us uh, from our friend Sebi, uh, who I believe you're a fan of uh, of his work. Yes, the, uh, yes. he did the. the um, the dirty dancing video thing, didn't he? Well, you'll he goes, see. He he is a co-host of Mike's on on another Arsenal podcast. So just okay. another reason to watch is you actually get to see the disgusting face behind the uh, behind the incredible work. But okay, um, so <laughs> it's a bit like going on YouTube, isn't it? The disgusting face behind the incredible work. Thank you, you know, to all of you people who watch what we do. That's 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 what I call Sebi. It's his sure. uh, Twitter name. So <laughs> FA Cup yesterday, Ooh. we're through. I don't know if it really matters or not, considering how everyone's just assuming that we're gonna gonna lose the next round. Uh, but uh, thoughts on the game? Does it does it matter? Did we uh, should we be freaking out about the first half? Do we do we just ditch everybody but our normal starting eleven? What are your what are your thoughts? 
Of course it matters. You know, the FA Cup um, has a, a long history with this football club. I think this season, it's maybe a bit easier to think it's not quite as important as it might be. But, you know, this is a football club that has, down the years, managed to win both the FA Cup and the Premier League or the league title. Um, three doubles we have to our name, 1971, of course, and then there was 98 and 2002. So it doesn't have to be an either-or situation, you know, with the FA Cup. Um, of course, there's Europe as well, but um, those seasons where we did the double under Arsene Wenger, we had Champions League football as well, so we were fighting across a number of fronts. I think the thing that probably concerns people really is just how much depth we have to play all these games and, and you know, the next round against Manchester City. They have a very deep squad. Um, they've got plenty to bring off the bench. Um, but I do think there are some interesting aspects to how City approach cup games as well. It's quite similar. Guardiola's approach is similar to Arteta's or Arteta's is similar to Guardiola's where he generally picks a stronger team than you think he's going to in cup competitions. And I think he's going to continue to do that. Um, the question now is like, how much can we, how much can we add to the squad before the end of the month to give us a bit more, a bit more depth and a bit more leeway for, for players to come in and out, you know, keep legs fresh and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I noticed that a lot of fans always panic about the rotation and keeping everybody fresh and uh, injury free because we, we do constantly freak out about injuries, obviously seeing Martinelli and Saka being played so much, but I remember it was in a Europa league where they questioned Arteta about rotating players. And he just mentioned players of world-class quality, some, something that vein play every three, two to three days. So mm. for him, it's, it's almost like a non-negotiable. He expects them to be able to play in two, three days. And he's, he even kind of mentioned, Hey, if I put it in their head that they're not capable of doing about it, forget about it. So I think he's very adamant of keeping them flowing the body and movement stays in movement kind of thing and not give them that excess worth of um, waiting time around. And I think for him, it's just keeping peak performance. I think you mentioned it on our blog where, you know, there were a little concerns about how the players were going to sit back and relax during the world cup and Arsenal being one of the clubs that were, were really proactive in keeping their players moving around in order for them to not, I don't know, lose their, their match fitness, which is, completely different than just training as we saw maybe with William Saliba coming back, having not played so many minutes in the world cup, he kind of seemed a little bit more rustier than the players that actually stayed behind and trained in Dubai and played those two, three friendly mm. matches. I mean, the thing is, you know, you can ask a lot of footballers, you know, to play every three or four days and, and if they can stay fit, they all want to play. You know, every player wants to play every game. The thing about it is, is that you do need to have, um, you do need to have some depth and you need to be able to keep some legs fresh. And there are going to be days when the players who want to play maybe don't produce and can't get a goal or, or, or lack a little bit of spark. So you need something on the bench as well. Um, it's not just about keeping players fit and keeping them uh, from fatigue and, and everything else. It's about having other options and other ways to win football matches. So I think that's another aspect of of what we need to do between now and the end of, of the month, you know. And not that this should be in lieu of a new signing, but it's it's crazy how when we're when we're dealing with the banter days and the frustrating outcomes that the like a new signing thing was just like sticking a knife in you saying you know when, when the club would come out with that all of a sudden now 
I, I literally, without even thinking of the of, of the phrase, I ESR's return to me is like a new signing, and I can't believe I'm actually thinking in those terms without punching myself in the face. But uh, how important do you think? And and it's a big if, but it's you know if this was corrective surgery that he is fully recovered from now and and builds his match fitness over the next say two three weeks, hmm. um, whether it's playing in, I mean. I don't know that you want to stick him in there in the next two games that we have because they're so massive and we can't really afford for those to be rehabilitation mm. assignments, but there are surely U21 games. Getting him match fit, is that a major part of our title run in this second half of the season? Well, it's a major way of, or it's a very easy way to add some depth straight away in January without having to deal with the market, without, without having to deal with, with agents and clubs who are playing hard to get over their players, we have this guy. He was our second highest scorer last season. So if we can get him fully fit, I think it'll take some time, obviously, to get him back to proper match fitness. But then I read the quotes today where he's talking to Arsenal.com and he said he's basically had this injury, this ongoing problem since he was 18 or 19. He's been playing with it the whole time. Has he ever been fully, fully match fit? You know, that's the question you have to ask yourself. So maybe we're going to see a new Emile Smith-Rowe in this, um, in this second half of the season. It'll take a few weeks at least to get him up to speed. But, you know, we're, we're heading into February. I think there's nine games in February. Remember there was like nine games in October or November or whatever it was. I think it was October, obviously, because World Cup started in November. We had that run of nine games. So basically you're going, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Sunday, you know, whatever day, whatever it is. There's going to be a lot of football to play and there's going to be a lot of minutes there. So I think, you know, hopefully by mid-February, you're looking at a guy who is fully up to speed. If he can keep himself without any aggravations, without any, um, you know, sort of setbacks or relapses or, or anything like it, I think this is a guy who gives us uh, depth across a number of positions. Mikel Arteta spoke about him playing in midfield, spoke about him playing on the left, on the right. I think he likes the idea of Emil Smith-Rowe as a, as a nine, a false nine. He said that more than once. So when we're thinking about how we, how we deal with absences or resting or a suspension or whatever it might be, he's a guy who can give you options in a number of positions. So fingers crossed, you know, he can stay fit because he's a really, really talented player. And, you know, he's a guy who's got an eye for goal, not just when he starts, but from the bench as well. So I'm keeping, keeping everything crossed for him. Mikey, I know you've got, got a follow-up, but I just, you, you mentioned the key words, which, which is something that, that, you know, I actually brought up a couple of weeks ago and got absolutely slammed over it because people just have short memories and sometimes very narrow minds. Uh, on Twitter. Uh, I wish there was a solution to that. Another place to go. Mm. Anyway, um, mm. the false nine thing. Uh, mm. We saw it once to great, Flash great out. effect against Villarreal uh, in the uh, in the semifinals of the Europa League, which is probably not a time to debut a new strategy, but uh, the I looked at the starting 11 that day when ESR was a starting, uh, was a false nine, and I mean, I almost vomited when I saw it, and, and you compare that to who's in the lineup now, um, you know, I, I brought that up before we really had started to build in any level of confidence in Eddie Niketia, which I think he has earned at this point, but I mean, given the way Manchester Manchester City under Pep and Arteta typically like to play without a out and out number 9 but with a fluidity of of attackers that can knock goals and passes behind your your back line as quickly as possible 
I mean, do you think that we should just be scarred forever from the false nine thing, or is that actually a strategy you see being employed? I mean, we saw it once and it didn't work, but that doesn't mean it can't work. I'm not saying it's necessarily something that I think we should make plans around, but as a possible backup, if Eddie gets a knock or can't play or what have you, you know, what do we have in, in the squad? We've got Gabriel Martinelli, who could play as a center forward. And that would mean Smith-Rowe playing on the left, probably. Or we can go with the Smith-Rowe as a, as a false nine type thing. You'd like to think that it was something that if they were going to use, they would they would train it. You know what I mean? They would train that um, at London Colney. They'd do some work on it and, and everything else. We don't get to see that, of course. We only get to see the kind of funny uh, little videos from training you know, a bit of match, a bit of rondos, all that kind of stuff. And and we don't get to see the nuts and bolts of, of what goes on. But if we don't bring in a striker, if we don't bring in another forward who can play as a striker or across the forward line, our options are pretty limited until Gabriel Jesus comes back. And what Mikel Arteta said after the FA Cup last night kind of worried me a little bit because he said, we're going to be many months without without Gabriel Jesus so whether yeah, that I heard he was coming back early, well, that's it. Maybe Arteta is, you know, feeding us misinformation, and he's going to bring him back quicker, and everyone's going to be delighted. But maybe he just sort of let something slip that he didn't feel like uh, uh, sharing with everyone until now. So if he says many months from now, you know, we we're we're pretty limited in in striker terms. I don't think there's a young striker coming up through the academy who's quite ready yet. The one who's most ready, of course, is, is on loan in France. Um, and as it stands, we've only got one striker. Arteta said, that's a problem. That is a problem. Um, and I think he is probably more inclined to try and solve that problem with what he has. I'm not saying he wouldn't want a signing, but I'm just saying as he's sitting down at his desk and talking with his coaching staff, I think he will try and find solutions that he's got to hand if we get something in the market, all well and good, that will be great. But until then, he's just got to assume that we we have what we have, we hold. And um, if Smith Rowe as a nine is one of his contingencies, then then you know I guess we'll see in time. On the whole Smith Rowe playing nine, it just referring to the Villarreal game that you brought up, Mikey is one thing that I re remember. I, I don't know if that was part of the heat that that popped up, but. I remember the biggest thing for a lot of fans was last minute Kieran Tierney getting injured. And instead of moving Bukayo Saka left, left wing back, essentially something that mm -hmm. he's done previous and he played well and ended up being shocked at left back. And I, I remember that freaked a lot of people out in, in, in the early days. I mean, that and like the Williams signing must be like the two. It was the whole thing. I mean, like, like, like that, that <laughs> yeah, it, it was a pretty mess for such an important game. It was and it was known to be a mess. It's not like even just looking back on it a year from now, when you look back at like the, the league cup lineups from 2014 or, and, and you see the, the dross, the utter dross that we had in that lineup. It's not like looking back with eight years of, of uh, hindsight. When the lineup came out that day, true, true. I think we all just started planning for. I'm just not. looking at it here now. Holy shit. It, yeah. <laughs> what was, what was, when did, was oh. Wendell still in that? Our ratings yeah. will go up if you actually vomit on air. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm just looking like, for people who don't, like Leno, 
holding chambers, Pablo Marie, Danny Ceballos, Martin Odegaard, Thomas Partey, Smith Rowe, Shaka, Saka, and Pepe. This was a European and, and Jaka, not the Jaka that we have now, and he was playing yeah. in left back. This is a European semi-final. Mm. Against was Obama Yang injured going into that game or something? Or who? Obama Yang. Um I think uh yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe he was late. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He didn't play the game yeah, before well, against Everton. And Lacazette was there too, right? And he wasn't on the bench. The time. Huh. I wonder what it was an absolute, Dude, it's, it's absolute... funny how you it's funny how you live these things and they scar you for weeks on end, but like a, a year or so later game... when the new season starts, you kind of forget about what's mm. going on. Was that game the nil-nil or was it a two-one? Two yeah, one. I think we got we got a penalty and then and they got two goals because we sucked and and um and because <laughs> we sucked. Oh, just bad, bad Andrew, memories. Andrew um, was, uh, keeping the conversation. But that's it. I, I think it could work. I think it could work. As I'm, I'm, I'm just basically trusting everything at this point. Sorry, Mike. I, I'm just trusting everything at this point. If they if they don't want to sign Mudrick because of the cost, I'm fine with it. If they want to spend ninety million on him because they believe he's worth it, I'm fine with it. Even though I don't think he's worth it. If they want to, you know, somehow go with ESR as a false nine, I mean, I, I, you can call me naive. Uh, I've definitely been called that. I could be accepting of mediocrity. I live with myself, so I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, but I just, I, I just feel like even though nothing's actually been won yet, I kind of just feel this trust that I haven't felt in the club since I knew how to not trust a club. Um, which was a long time ago. Are you, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're as gullible as I am, so I'm not going to assume that you're in that, that phase, Andrew, but uh, uh, you, you do seem a little bit more calm about the, I mean, just in describing the desire to fix, fix depth shortages from within, there's not ranting and raving that I would normally associate with Arsenal and podcasts. Well, I, I don't think I've ever really been ranty and ravey unless oh, no, 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 yeah. the opposition or John Terry or something like that. But um, I think what it is, Mike, is is that like you, I have a level of trust in the way that the club is being run now and the way that our recruitment has been uh, carried out, which is different and better. And I've I've lived through, as you have and as Mike has and as everyone watching this has, We've lived through too many bad deals for all kinds of reasons, whether it's short-term, quick-fix, sticking-plaster guys, uh, whether it's agent-led deals, whether it's just poor-thinking, contract renewals. You know, the club hasn't been smart for quite a while, and it feels like we're smart now. And I think the decisions that they make Look, we've seen them. They've made decisions which are difficult to live with in the short term for the longer, medium to long-term benefit. And that is hard to do in football. It's really hard to do in football because football is the most short-term business or industry or whatever you want to sport, entertainment in the in the world. Because you can be as happy as happy can be um, – at kickoff and then at the end of 90 minutes you want to kill everyone burn everything to the ground you know flail around in their entrails and then just throw a, a complete mickey fit you know that is what football can do to you and it, you know if you're on social media you'll you'll see people do exactly that apart from maybe the the entrails bit 
Um, so it's hard, you know, to to make these decisions, which are medium, long-term decisions for the benefit, longer benefit of the club at the expense of, of short-term uh, thinking. But I'm sort of on board with it. I'm, I'm happy that they they are willing to maybe take a bit of pain for a bit more gain down the line. Yeah, in my role as Jewish Ramble, uh, the younger, uh, very, very much worse version of the, of the financial guy to Swiss Ramble, um, I, you know, a couple years ago when I actually started to see what was about to happen, uh, you can kind of look behind the scenes, see what they did with the wage bill, just for one mm. thing. Um, and you really start breaking it down. Um, that's when I really started saying, you know, th- there have been some mistakes. There have been some things that might not have been mistakes, but they certainly didn't pan out. Willian mm. being one of them. I mean, I didn't that hear that many, thing. I didn't hear that many people complain about it when we signed him on a free. But I think it was a mistake. I think well, I think we, we did what we do as football fans, which is try and see the best in what your club does. And I think we tried to talk ourselves into that deal being a good one. Um because you know, he had experience, he'd won a lot. Could he have brought something to the team? Yes, he possibly could have, but you know, we we uh we gave him a three year deal and I don't want to go over it again, but well, yeah, he saved also, our ass by I also, don't, I also don't believe he just left. I don't believe for a second he just left and said, I don't know, take well, they take mutually agreed to terminate. Yeah, they mutually agreed to terminate with a great big fucking suitcase of money. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. You're you a finance guy. Do you think that was you part of the deal? I'll like, mutually hey, agree to another podcast again, but it's not just gonna be voluntarily. I mean, it's gonna I'll I'll agree. Um, I, yeah, yeah it's, it's it would be an interesting deal to say like, hey, yeah, we, we're going to pay you to leave, but we need you to publicly say that you're choosing to leave because we've already done this enough with people. Yeah. So we we got to put a lid on that. Yeah. Football clubs spin things all the time, all yeah. the time. So, yeah, look, let's not be naive about that one. Anyway, look, we were talking about better things or we we're talking about us being better and smarter and yeah, I think happier I, and all that. So. I, I, yeah. And, 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 and I, you know, until if you, if you're the type that says, you know, I don't trust anything that I'm hearing from the club because we've been told this and told this, you also kind of, when you start to see things that improve, you also have to be willing to say until, until I'm proven wrong, that they kind of know what they're doing now, I'm going to put my faith in them. And sometimes that goes to moves you don't make. Uh, it's not just about whether you make moves and how you make them and when you make them, it's about the moves you don't make. So Thoughts on uh, on on a certain Joao wow, wow, Felix, um, you know that's so Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, all they're doing Chelsea is they're looking around and seeing what other clubs are doing, and then they just come in and pay more money than the other clubs are going to. That's that's basically their transfer policy. It has been since uh, Todd Bowley uh, came in and, and took over. And it's, you know, it's quite fun in some ways because it's just so scattergun that like it can't possibly work. And all you do is you end up with a very bloated, very expensive squad, which is imbalanced. And it's impossible for Graham Potter or any manager that they bring in um, to, to make something that's useful, you know, um, and cohesive and, and, and everything else. Look, he's a good player. Hasn't really gone as well as people would have liked um, at Atletico Madrid. Let's face it, Atletico Madrid overpaid for him by a huge amount. No two ways about it. Uh, 
and then played a completely different type of football than what he's accustomed to to playing. I mean, it's it's a weird yeah. mismatch. It is. It is. I mean, maybe they thought maybe Diego Simeone thought he could mold him into the player he wanted him to be, but I'm not sure that that's who he is. And, and... I think he wanted him to be Diego Godin. I mean, like like there's. <laughs> I, I don't know who he wanted him to be. He doesn't play that way, uh, no, Simeone. But... No. but the money is just too big. For five months, it's too big. What you could do with 20, the basically 20 million euros, what you could do with that, you know, to secure or help secure the, um, you know, the services of a, of a good player on a permanent basis, you know, it's a lot of money. It's, it's a lot of money, 20 million euros. Um that- so, like, it it never really made sense on a financial level. Like, if if it had come down, if you know the the loan fee, I remember we were trying to loan Ivan Perisic a couple of Januarys ago, you know, more yeah. than a couple, maybe three or four yeah, Januarys that. ago. But Inter Milan wanted like six million euros as a loan fee that year. So loan fees are just a a bit crazy, you know, particularly when you have to pay the wages as well. So this one never really made sense on a financial level. Um, the question is for me, if they wanted Zhao Felix and Mikhailo Mudrik, who else have they got on their list? Who else is on their list? It can't there's be just that, there's gotta be a the the one thing that last January told us was there weren't enough people on the list because I, I'm fine with you know, we, we can't get Vlahovic, we're not signing Izak for 75 million pound release clause. That was a great move. And that was a great non-move. And I was for it at the time. I, I didn't love that we didn't add anybody. I was surprised we didn't loan anybody in just because we knew that the last four months of the season, there were likely to be an injury or two. And it absolutely gutted our, our back line more than mm-hmm. our, more than our attack in the last couple of games. But, you know, the, the one thing I faulted them for was where are the seven or eight people that you think might be available, might be worth tempting and, and, and having all the different balls in the air at the same time, mm. because not only does that leave us at the end of January and if the Mudrick thing collapses, you know, or if we're not looking after a, a midfielder, there we go again. But it's also a negotiating tool to know that you're not just so known to be in for one person and maybe they are, but you know, we don't need to see the list. I just like to know that there was one. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we, we saw them surprise us with the Fabio Vieira transfer. Nobody knew that that was going on. Um, towards the end of the last window, we were definitely interested in Ferran Torres. Um, Barcelona, as we know, don't have two pennies to rub together, two pesetas to rub together. They've gotten, you know, they're in financial bits. So they've got some players who might be available on the market. Um, you know, if the Zhao Felix thing doesn't or hasn't worked out, maybe Ferran Torres is somebody that we could, we could look at again, whether it's a loan or whether it's a loan with an obligation or a loan with a, with a, um, you know, an option to buy at the end of it. I'm not quite sure. There are lots of players out there. I hope that they do have more on their list than, than just Zhao Felix and, and, uh, and Mudrik, I mean, if they're after two, it it means they feel like they need two. So let's hope that, that there's something else going on behind the scenes. I was under the impression, to be honest, every time we saw the links between Mudrik and Felix, I was always under the impression that it was going to be one or the other because I kind of both of them could play across the front three. So I, mm. I assumed it was always going to be one another. And one thing a, a good mate of mine, uh, Kelly, mentioned that do you, do you you know we we 
kind of start overwhelming with getting overwhelmed with these transfer fees. And now they're saying that the Mudrik deal could potentially reach up to hundred mil, which is what they originally wanted. But now that it seems that Felix is all but signed with Chelsea, don't you think there'd be a little bit more leverage on Arsenal where they don't essentially have that Chelsea buyer pushing saying we'll match whatever Arsenal have to offer you? Do you think there's any like way that works out better for us if the Felix deal goes through p- prior to us finalizing the Mudrick deal? Um, and not to quote your your co your co-host, but not to urinate in anybody's Wheaties, but you know that deal is not done yet. <laughs> something yeah. to that effect. It's it's circulating, which is hilarious. But yeah, um, something that effect. But essentially, we're we're bidding against ourselves. We're bidding against no one at this point. If we're, right. we're re, you know removing Chelsea yeah. from that. I kind of think it's always been us, though. You know, I don't think he wants to go to Chelsea. You know, um, they might have caused us problems with Shakhtar, but I don't think they've caused us any problems with the player. I think he he wants to come to Arsenal. So on that basis, maybe it does clear the decks a little bit. Maybe Chelsea are still interested. Who knows? I mean, we're still interested in the player. Um, So they're probably still interested in him. You know, because they're interested in every player that every club is interested in. Um, But it might just sort of, uh, what's the word, focus the negotiations. Um, Like, I don't think this is being held up by a lack of desire from Arsenal to get the deal done. I think this is to do with making sure that the deal is the right deal for us based on, you know, this player, his age, his relative experience and and his talent and potential, which if Shakhtar believe in so much, this is why I think Arsenal are trying to do a deal that's much more heavily weighted towards um, incentives and add-ons and achievements. You know what I mean? So uh, if they think he's going to be a golden boot winner one day, if they think he can help Arsenal win the league, you know, build those payments in, but he's got to make, uh, make those things happen before those payments get made. And that's probably where the, the, the hassle is. Um, but yeah, who knows with Chelsea, they could, they could just put their big stupid blue spoke in the wheel tomorrow and, and fuck it all up again. I don't know, but you would like to think that getting Zhao Felix in, they just signed a young striker from, from Norway as well. Uh, they do have a number of fairly well-recognized forwards um, at the club anyway with, with Havertz. I like that. <laughs> um, Fair play. Like Aubameyang as well they have. So, you know, let's see. Let's are we gonna are we gonna talk about your your, your cheeky tweet from yesterday? Uh uh the uh the SMS message you got from somebody? Uh I didn't I didn't tweet that. Was that confirmed uh, savage? Is what he's saying. Somebody, I, I, I heard we were interested in um, in in uh, the 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 defensive midfielder Alvaro I message uh, from the top <laughs> Billy WhatsApp. We're after Billy WhatsApp. Don't tell yeah. anyone. It's an exclusive for you guys here on episode four hundred four. We're we're getting we're getting the 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 inside scoop on all the different mm-hmm. communication based uh, based people, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There was some some murmur, some hubbub on Twitter yesterday about uh, a short message or something. No idea. Um, you know, yeah, ever, you, ever since Elon took over, there's been all types of tweets floating about. Oh, you know, it's almost like it's almost like you got to go to Mastodon and check out the, <laughs> what's going on there. But 
Um, I did, but I can't figure it out. It's well, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to do a little tutorial, but it, it's uh, oh, but God. but we're not there yet. Uh, Spurs away, United home. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that I'm, I'm I'm excited to be over for those games, uh, which means you know the, the away one might not go so well. The uh, the home one will be an, an automatic win. Uh, I mean, we got those two games: Everton, Brentford, all league games before Man City. Uh, I hate this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. How many points out of those out of those twelve? Well, to be honest, Mike, we're not thinking that far ahead. We're just concentrating on the next game, and that's the North London derby. Um, that's true. I shouldn't be North asking about four games. Like the next one. We're in a good position, but you know we go game by game, and that's our only focus at this moment in time. Are you on the club now? I mean, I, I know that you're very close to the club, but we <laughs> the we thing is. Uh... <laughs> Seeing as we're facing Manchester City in the next round in the F FA Cup, mm. do you like the idea of playing them prior to playing the league? Because I, I, I'm not too stoked about that. I rather I, I, look. I say show show our hands, but I mean Arteta worked under Pep Guardiola for a very long time. But we saw how the game played out last season, where we were able to dominate them for the majority of the game and just ended up shoot tying or losing that game in a soul wrenching way which is like a shot that was like a deflection that went in and the bernardo silva slash shaka penalty mm. do you think it has any influence whatsoever are you pretty relaxed about the whole situation about playing them fairly close succession i would prefer not to you know because they're just a brilliant team and we've got such a poor record against them and uh, look i think like you um We've made progress, and I'd be more confident that we could get something from Man City. I just feel like it would be more likely in a one-off game. If you ask me, you know, between the two of them, which one would I choose? It's obviously the Premier League game. I would choose that. But this is the way that – this is the way it works. You know, I can remember countless seasons where we've had to play – Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester United in the cup and and somehow there's these quirk of the fixture lists or quirks of the fixture list where you end up playing you know the same team two or three times in close succession I remember one year oh god no I've triggered myself I don't want to talk about it but it it was to do with Chelsea and we ended up playing Chelsea like three times in uh, the space of a few weeks and it was like uh, didn't end well anyway um well, it's you like know, two legs of a Champions League match. Yeah, that's like, what I was talking about. I don't want to go there. I, I was trying to just immediately wipe it from my memory. So, um, the Champions League. It's, it's just the way it is, I think. You know, when you're a team that's at the top of the table, when you're a big team, you're going to have to face other big teams. And I think in some ways, I'm not saying we've had an inferiority complex, but, you know, we've had a poor record against Liverpool in recent years, and this season we beat Liverpool. And I think we're overdue a win against Manchester City. I really do. I think we're we're due a win and a win away from home at that. Not just at home, but a win away from home. Which game it's going to be, I'm not 100% sure. I would. I think there probably will be a bit more rotation for the FA Cup game. It'll be a strong team, of course, because of the opposition. But I just have a sneaky feeling about the away game at the Etihad in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I'd prefer to be playing an easier team in the FA Cup for sure, but it is what it is. You got to get on with it. And I think the thing that we don't think about too much as fans is how much the players relish games like this. 
these big, big games. They love playing in those. And I think that is, that's something we don't, we go like, oh crap, not Man City again. Let's go, you know. But they love it. They love it. And I think we've, we've seen that this is a team that is rising to challenges and is, is looking to make statements and hopefully they can make some statements against Man City this season. Yeah, I hope so. Let's get uh, to some user questions. Uh, we've got a few that we start. If you have anything you want to ask Andrew uh, in the next, we'll say five to 10 minutes before we got to go, mm-hmm. um, let's do that. Uh, let's start with a question from Vivek from uh, from the San Francisco Bay Area, San, San Jose specifically. At the start of the season, we were talking about rotation with a few players, KT and Zinchenko. Aside from the left back position, do you think we have rotation availability for the run in? Good question. I mean, we do at right back, obviously, with with Ben White and uh, Tommy Asu. Uh, I think we probably do at centre half as well because we can get Ben White and Tommy Asu um, in those positions too. Where we don't necessarily have the the strength is, I think, in the central midfield area. Where look, I love Moel Nenny, but there's a difference between him and Partey, and there's a big difference between Albert Sambi Lukonga and Granit Xhaka, as we saw as we saw last night. Um, Smith Rowe coming back gives us a bit of rotation option as well, for sure. Um, you know, he can play on the left, he can play on the right. Apparently he can play as a false nine as well. We'll have to have a discussion about that one day. And uh, I think he can play, potentially he's somebody who could play in the Shaka position, you know, in that sort of advanced left day. I, I can see him, his, his ability would allow him to play in there. And then I think it's about what we can bring in in the window and, and what that might allow us to do. So um, I don't think we're quite as strong um, as we would like, but I think we do have enough in 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 certain positions to get us through. But we're very heavily dependent on those two central midfielders, those two experienced central midfielders staying fit, because without that, um, I think we're going to have a, a few problems. Okay, good answer. Feedback. Hopefully that satisfied you. I mean, this the guy, he's a new podcaster, but he's, he's he knows his shit. So. Yeah, I'm settling into this. This is quite good fun. I might give this a bash. Yeah, you've got some uh you've got some compliments in the chat about your uh you know your professionalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, can a player who wears number nine be a false nine given their actual nine? Uh you have nine seconds to answer this question. Yes, if he wears his shirt inside out. Ah, okay. That's see, insight mm-hmm. right there. Oh, uh, anytime you see Mikey's head go down like this, you know that you've 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 caught him with with humor, wit, or or uh, or absolute intelligence, or a combination of the three. Or something ludicrous, yeah. Uh, at Arsenal, it's clear. This is from Matt Lacasse uh, that Arteta and Adu are in charge. Can you say for sure who's calling the shots at Chelsea? It feels like a tug of war at the moment. I don't think it feels like a tug of war. It just feels like a guy saying it's Todd Bowley with his fucking rope, just going woohoo! What, let me buy players. What, I could picture with, him with, with the dartboard throwing it with names. With answering this question, can you? I mean, I love how everyone from the U.S. is a cowboy compared, like for, for people around <laughs> the world. But in this case, in this case, it's pretty true. Uh, at what point does this, I guess, attempt to endear himself to the to the to the Roman Abramovich loving Chelsea supporters slash misguided thinking of how the how football works? At what point? Let's say they miss the top four and they don't win anything, and they're and they're out of Europe next season. How many seasons of that do you think happens before Todd Bowley goes completely the opposite direction, 
and guts the team for a good old fashioned American rebuild without I don't a draft. I don't know. I mean, would it? Would he? I don't know. This is a crazy idea, right? But maybe, maybe he could hire some people who know what they're doing. That might be something for you U.S. business guys to consider. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, I'm enjoying this as it stands. I think it's it's kind of crazy what's going on. They've thrown so much money at this team, and it's intense. So long may that last. Nevertheless. Um, you know, I do remember in not too distant times in the past where we've been languishing a bit and, and we got our act together and, um, you know, they do have the resources to, to pull themselves out of trouble. But hopefully they remain in this sort of quicksand for, for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's almost, it almost feels like with one simple move united has figured out how to get themselves out of their current situation i mean they've got a long way to go to, mm. to be at the top but i mean i think on the pitch they've figured it out a bit uh just by finally getting them rid of the ronaldo problem mm. chelsea's issue is a little bit more systemic but then they've also got all this talent uh it's it's bizarre i mean it's fascinating to watch and uh and i'm going to dig into their numbers a little bit more to see how sustainable this is because somehow I'm told that reliably that they are not really even that close to FFP guidelines after what the changes in that over COVID were and kind of averaging it over a number of years and getting a million and a half pounds of a loan forgiven, uh, which mm. may or may not play into that. Somehow. Is it something to do with a new owner taking over as well and how how they might be able to invest in the early stages? I'm not sure. But, yeah. I think it's yeah. similar to um, I hope this right? is a joke, yeah, a Matt, Mark, but... Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm guessing this means where does the Felix signing leave Abba? Do we take him back for 40 million? That, that better be a joke, or I'm hitting you over the head on Friday at, at our dinner with with a lamb rib. Well, uh, if they pay us 40, 40 million, million I take plus back. one. Mm. Yeah, if they pay if they pay us the 40 million, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, take him back. Mikey, this might be for you. What happened to the Chuck? And I say this just because you're Mexican. What happened to the Chucky Lozano links? Uh, he, the man is too much of a baller for the arsenal, you know, after the legacy that Carlos Vela, uh, left behind. I mean, how do you back that one up? Um, no, I, I, I want to point out game. that I'm asking you because you're Mexican. Cause I didn't want yeah. people to mistake the fact that I thought that you knew anything about, about transfer links. So no, yeah, much. no. La last thing I, I heard is he was linked to, what is it? West Ham? I think, I don't know. He's, he's starting and doing great at Napoli. So I don't think he's leaving anytime soon. Annapolis yeah, is one you of leave the better there? teams in form right now in city yeah, they're still first do you think another chelsea related question but if we do sign mudrick do you think we'll go the chelsea route andrew and give a very long-term deal i.e six or seven years and and for me when i look at the wage uh bill and and how amortization of of, of contracts work if you have someone who's in their lower 20s what is real? I mean, other than a potential Ozil situation, which I guess is the answer to my own question, what's the downside with giving somebody a six or seven year contract that you don't have to worry about renegotiating every two or three years and maintains value of the player mm -hmm. and lowers the actual annual wage bill that you're paying? Yeah. Didn't so we give Seska more of those? Uh, we gave Seska a six or seven year deal at one point, I think. Um, you would assume that, like in any contract, there's going to be you know, increases and, and everything else. I think the, the, the thing will be finding the balance between like, 
sometimes a transfer fee tells you about the value of a player, right? And, and what they should be earning. So he might think, well, look, I've cost twice as much as Gabriel Jesus. What's my wage in relation to Gabriel Jesus's wage at Arsenal, which is, you know, around 200 grand a week, whatever it might be. But there's no way that Mudrik coming from Shakhtar and Donetsk, uh, where he's earning a few grand a week, you know, we could, we could, you know, if he's earning five grand a week, we could give him 50 grand a week. It's, you know, it's a huge increase for him. It's still a substantial wage. And there might be ways of, you know, obviously adding to that year by year, again, based on incentives that could be built in increases and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe I don't, I don't quite know. We, 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 yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out in the end, but Arsenal will never announce it. They'll say like a long-term, a long-term deal, which is usually five years. So maybe they might do five years plus one, something like that, because they've had the plus ones on a, a number of contracts of late. But um, yeah, I think they might do something, which means it's not going to be a hassle in two years' time where you're sitting there going, he's got two years left on his contract. What do we do? You know, I think they will, after all the effort of trying to bring him in, uh, try and minimize that aspect of things, yeah. Yeah, and, and normally if 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 you see somebody coming in, just usually a five and a half, unless they're an older player where you would have like a three and a half or whatever. Mm. So, um, yeah. But uh, the question from Matt D'Souza: Why are Mike Elliott and Chums coming to the UK in mid January? Who the fuck comes to the UK in mid January? I have business to take care of while I'm over. I didn't know Elliott was over until I I got saw this question, texted him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm here now." Uh, I know he didn't want you to know. Matthew just ratted him out. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, so when are you coming over? Are we doing? Are we having a reunion where where I sit in the crowd and watch you and Elliot entertain people? (laughs) Oh, who knows? Who knows? We'll uh, we'll chat behind the scenes and see what we can uh, see what we can uh, dream up. But yeah, if we can do something again, you know, the end of the season, we definitely will. And if we can do something somewhere else between now and the end of the season, we'll try and do that too. So. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking, we're talking, there's negotiations going on, uh, the deal is not close, um, but, you know, we're confident that something can be, uh, an agreement can be reached in due course, but um, no, here well, got, we go. I got, phone, I got my phone right here, and, and there's a special ringtone, so I'm just, I'll, I'll just wait by the phone. You do that, and I'll uh, let you know. For the uh, ticket buying uh, uh, details. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um any other user questions before we uh, before we get going? Uh, we have one from uh, from admin at arsenalfc.social. What is it that you find confusing about about Mastodon? Is it just the, is it the because uh, because we you know we love it over there except uh, we we want we want to hear more from you. I just don't know what it does, and I don't know where <laughs> everyone is, and I don't know when I post something where it goes and I don't know who who is replying to it and I can't see what the fuck is going on and <laughs> I don't I just don't get it. I can't but get other than that. It's just like Twitter, just way more complicated. That's it. <laughs> way That's more complicated. The, I'm still figuring it out too, I've, Andrew. <laughs> I've got 15 notifications here. Um but like where is everything? Where is the stuff? Where is all the stuff? All right, we'll 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 uh, we'll do a little bit more. I, I, I got to get the technical versions of my yeah. of, of my co-admins to uh, sure 
to, to we, we need to do an educational podcast series which uh which will be fun and seven seven seasons of how to learn <laughs> how to do master this is episode 405 seven, of seven thousand of how to do mass today how to post something mastodon for dummies uh yeah exactly man well, well who knows i'll play around a bit more and keep an eye on it but uh, you know we'll, we'll I'll, I'll try to drag you into conversations and maybe just thank you through, king joey through attrition joey yeah. joey uh joey from uh from from richmond just wants to say he's been a huge fan keep up the good work same goes for mike and mike uh love you guys i um he's a good hug that guy i can tell you from from firsthand knowledge um, and, and I'm just going to kind of pile on to what Joey said. It's it, all kidding aside. Um, the fact that I feel comfortable enough around you to, to joke about you being a new podcaster without, without people thinking I'm being serious about it is, uh, mm. is, is a testament to, uh, to how kind you have been to us over the years. Uh, appreciate your, your, uh, agreeing to come on with us and, and, you know, and not just us you you do this for so many so many people and you don't have to and it's just really no, very much i kind of i do have to because you know i ask you, you always say that but you don't i do i mean it's you know uh, pay it forward isn't that the, the yes that that i agree with and yeah you know i i ask people to be on my podcast if they ask me to be on their podcast i feel like you know i i, I should do it unless it's a completely um a complete undesirable uh, in which case I won't. You're only vaguely in the sort of undesirable column, Mike. So that's why I'm here. It's it's other we're Mike red, that, that that brought me in. You know, yeah, we're redlining right now, and 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 uh, and I spoke more than I than they agreed <laughs> on fifty two percent of the time that was in the contract. So we, I think we we have to refund you. you a little you'll bit. hear from my agent. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yes, we will. Anyway, uh, listen, a pleasure, and keep up the the good work. And I know you've got some people waiting in the wings, probably. So. Uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you're watching this, we'd love you to join us for the next show. It's a back to back, uh, just double feature today. We uh, starting in five minutes. Uh, back on our pod. It's not going to be on this link, so just kind of exit out. Go to GoonerSubscribe.com if you need to get back to the main page. But we're doing the first round proper of the Football Phrases FA Cup. We got 64 incredible phrases competing for the honor of being in the uh, in the round of 32. And to judge us, we've got some first time, uh, you know, no, that we have Lee Dixon and uh, Peter Drury and Sophie Nicolau. So we've got the number one commentating team for NBC Sports, two of the best in the game, if not the best in the game, joining us. And uh, and the show is going to be in the ascendancy, hopefully, uh, when that's going on. So join us there. Join Andrew at, uh, at the ArsCast Extra still every Monday and Friday. Monday, yeah, Arsecast Extra. Uh, Friday, regular Arsecast. And uh, lots of stuff in, in the week on, on our Patreon and on the site and everything else. So, yeah, people yeah. know where to go, I think. Well, Andrew, it's it's been lovely. Thank you for joining us. Mikey, good to see you again. My pleasure. Always a pleasure, dude. All righty. And we are not going to play the outro today because I want to uh, quickly get out of here. So come on, you gooners. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>